Ride With Us, presented by Ace, the American Coaster Enthusiasts. Welcome to Ride With Us, Ride with us. presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a group of super fans with a mission to appreciate, promote, and preserve roller coasters around the globe. Around the globe. It's time to keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. Here's your hosts, Clint Novak and Chris Roberry. Hey, what is going on, everyone? My name is Clint Novak. And my name is Chris Roberry, and welcome to the Ride With Us podcast. How's it going, Clint? It is going great. It is the official American Coaster Enthusiast podcast, and we have a great episode for you. Chris, are you a big road tripper? I'm a huge fan of the road trip. I've done I feel like, quite a few in my life. I feel like anyone who likes roller coasters has to like road tripping, because that's what it's all about. We're going to be talking about how to plan your perfect road trip around roller coasters. Because we all need to get out, and boy, the best way to see the country is on the ground. And we'll also sit down with Susie Story, who's the Director of Communications at IAPA, and she'll let us know how the industry's doing and what we, as fans, can do to help it out. I can't wait. Uh, Susie and me go way back. She used to work at King's Dominion. I used to go to King's Dominion. It was a great time. Yeah, Susie is just an absolute delight, and... You get to know her really is just a real special person in the industry. So really looking forward to hearing that interview later on in the podcast. All right. But first, it's time for our Ace Event Rundown. Let's check it out. And, well, of course, it's the part of the show where we would talk about all those great regional events in your area of the country. But, of course, the coronavirus pandemic is still ongoing and it's still putting a damper on Ace's plans for events. And unfortunately, that now includes some major national events as well. So in light of all the host parks being closed, uh, the time it's going to take for them to reset and reopen, and of course the uncertainty of all those travel restrictions to get there, CoasterCon, well, it's just not going to be held this year. However, Ace is going to be doing a first-of-its-kind virtual CoasterCon. Now it's not, of course, as great as a real con is, because you don't get to see everybody in person, but... The executive committee has done a magnificent job of planning all these great events that you can watch online via social media and be a part of the first ever virtual coaster con. I'm excited. It's going to be different. There's no way around it, but it's going to be still something that we can all get together and enjoy. You're right. I mean, it's definitely sad that we're not going to be able to do our CoasterCon this year. We're going to be uh, uh, looking forward to next year's CoasterCon and next year's Coaster Season and all the good stuff that's going to come with that. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, me, to me, the coaster enthusiast community is not about riding coasters. It's about the people. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing all my friends through uh, uh, different interact- interactions and things like that. So it, it should be good. Uh, we also have the National Coaster Month going on as well. That's right. World Roller Coaster Appreciation Month is in June. And as part of that, we want you to share your moments, quite literally. So if you've got a cool photo of a park, a ride, or your ace friends, go ahead and tag it with the hashtag ShareYourMoments. And Ace is going to go ahead and try and share as many as they can to sort of spread that love of roller coasters, even though we can't physically be there right now. So again, if you've got that cool photo, just put the hashtag share your moments, all one word, and Ace is going to try and share as many as they can to bring that joy into everybody's feeds online. 
For more information on regional and national events through the end of 2020, all you have to do is go on to aceonline.org, A-C-E-Online.org, as well as our official regional and national social media channels for the latest updates. So let's take a look then at the light at the end of the tunnel and shift to happier news, something to take off what's going on in the world today. You're sitting at home. We got nothing to do, right, Clint? Yeah, well, wrong, we got- <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> now is the absolute most perfect time to start planning a coaster road trip. And you might be asking yourself, self, what is a coaster road trip? And how the heck do I plan one? Hey, we got you covered. You got two experts of road trip We're here right now, Clint and I. They're going to help you figure out to make the most awesomest, most amazing coaster trip you could possibly plan. That's right. Uh, I've done all of the uh, road uh, trip, uh, or uh, I should just say trips, uh, that you can think of from the week-long, you know, uh, running all over uh, several states to flying into a airport and spending less than 24 hours in the state and flying out to do an amusement park. So I've done them all, and uh, uh, there's definitely tons of tips and things that we can go over to plan that perfect road trip. So I think the first one would be when do you want to go? This one's actually pretty important because there are some parts of the country where it's going to be miserably hot, can even be miserably cold depending on when you want to go. And there's also some other things to consider. For instance, something I didn't plan for in 2007 when I went to Kings Island was that it was a cicada year, a 17 year (laughs) cicada year. For those of those who are lucky enough to not be in cicada areas, these massive locusts that are pretty much everywhere. They are loud as heck. And they just get everywhere. It feels like the plague. I think I think I could beat you on this one. We oh. thought we were planning the perfect uh, trip to Canada's Wonderland. It was going to be early in the year. We're like, maybe the week before Memorial Day, because Memorial Day, everything's going to be slammed, because Memorial Day is celebrated in Canada. Not. <laughs> we didn't think about that. So we flew in the week we flew into Buffalo. Uh, the weekend before Memorial Day, we get to Niagara Falls, and it's 60 degrees, in, or no, it's like 90-something degrees in Niagara Falls. And by the time we got to Toronto, it was like 60 degrees. And we went to Canada's Wonderland that night, and evidently it was some Canadian holiday that's like Memorial Day, but it happens the week before Memorial Weekend. So it was like... Canada Day or, you know, Queen something something day. I don't know. It was it was it was a holiday in Canada and, and the place was packed. So make sure that you're looking at your regional and or country of origins holidays to make sure that you're not you're not trying to go on a very popular day for them. And here's another hot tip. If you go to the park's website, there's a certain day that you should pretty much avoid completely, and that would be cheerleader day. <laughs> because if you want to see a park packed to the brim with a bunch of screaming cheerleaders, that's the day to go. But if you want to ride coasters and try to enjoy yourself, you're going to want to avoid that day. So part of your planning is to do your research and make sure that in terms of bugs, in terms of weather, in terms of cheerleaders, you never know what plague is going to be upon that park. A great example would be visiting parks in the Midwest in early May or even April, 
that's tornado season and severe weather season. So your day might be ended very quickly by some tornado sirens and you huddling in the basement of your hotel. You know what You know what really sucks about visiting a park in the Midwest in April is they're not even open yet. Because they usually <laughs> don't open until late May. But <laughs> like, like uh, Cedar Point right now would not even be open for the year yet. They open, uh, I believe, Mother's Day or somewhere around there. I know Valley Fair is notorious for opening on Mother's Day slash opening a fishing weekend because in Minnesota, they make those two two weekends the same weekend. Opening a fishing and Mother's Day. Crazy, huh? I'll be, it's a beautiful country up there. Once you can get past <laughs> the giant mosquitoes. That, that, which are like the plague. <laughs> yes, which are also like the plague too. So, And then don't forget about flooding season up there too. So uh, exactly. what we're trying to say in our sort of roundabout way is you're going to want to make sure and just plan for everything because you never know what could potentially come up and ruin your day that you've been planning for months or potentially even years. But also, don't let unexpected things ruin your uh, your trip. Like, for instance, uh, Dollywood and other parks had to make a massive decision when the um, when the COVID nineteen virus hit, and those parks had to close, even though uh, there were enthusiasts or or park goers that were already committed to their trip, or even in the state and or city that the uh, the events were going to take place in, and. Uh, Sometimes, I mean, that's obviously depressing that the uh, park, uh, you know, had to make that decision, but there's other things to do. Like if you go, and I'm going to use uh, Pigeon Forge as an example because it's a great example. Uh, there's so much other stuff to do outside of your trip to Dollywood. Uh, in fact, if you go to Dollywood, I would suggest one to two days at Dollywood and at least a day at Gatlinburg and or Pigeon Forge because there's so much other stuff to do. Um Cedar Point. This is really hard for me. I love going to Cedar Point, but my Cedar Point trip used to consist of seven days. I would spend four days at Cedar Point. I would spend at least one other day at Geauga Lake, which it could have been any day. If it was busy at Cedar Point, I knew it was not going to be busy at Geauga Lake. So we would just go to Geauga Lake, uh, you know, on the day, like we would get to Cedar Point. We'd be like, this is ridiculous. Let's leave and go to Geauga Lake. Um, another place that's really fun to visit when you're in uh, the Sandusky area is Putin Bay. Uh, going out, uh, taking that trip. It's not coaster related. I think they may have mini golf, and that's going to be as close as the industries you're going to get. But it's just a really fun little boat trip out to an island uh, out on Lake Erie there that uh, it's just, you know, it's not something you get to do every day. So sometimes you have to roll with the punches. Uh, sometimes things are going to happen. Uh, weather, you know, something can close down the park uh, that uh, you're uh, going to be at. And you just have to find those hidden gems that you can go out and enjoy. Some can be inside, some can be outside. Zoos, museums, uh, you know, FECs, uh, those, uh, those can be a, a lot of fun. Absolutely. And one of the things you brought up is that you do a lot of flying as part of your, your road trip. And I put that road trip in quotations because when you do fly, you get to cover a whole lot more parks than you normally would have if you were driving. But if flying has some advantages with that, but also some disadvantages because it's much like the rides, very weather dependent. And if you come in and there's a storm that rolls through, you might just miss your connection. And then you're kind of, you know, hanging out at the airport at the Dunkin' Donuts, you know, getting fat on <laughs> sausages. <laughs> so, <laughs> this happened to me because uh, last year and this year I, I have a uh, Southwest uh, Rewards 
uh, credit card. So I spend money on the credit card. I get airline miles with Southwest, all that good stuff. But not only do I get miles, but uh, I earn um, the uh, the legendary companion pass with oh, wow. Southwest. I've done it two years in a row now, which means that uh, my wife, Sherry, gets to travel for free wherever I go as long as I'm going. So I'm flying. She gets to fly with me for free. So it's basically 50% off airfare uh, if we're flying together. And uh, so we flew to uh, Six Flags over Georgia, flew to Atlanta. And it's funny because when you fly out of Richmond, there really is no other connection with Southwest other than Atlanta. So you're either <laughs> going to Orlando or Atlanta out of Richmond. Uh, otherwise, you're, you know, if you're going somewhere else, you have to go to Atlanta first and then go out. Uh, and so we're going to Atlanta, which I always go to from Richmond. Uh, f- flying, we, we take off from Richmond and in the air, they announce there's a thunderstorm shutting down the Atlanta airport. We're going to have to go into a hold pattern. We're flying around for extra. Extra half hour. They say, now we're running out of gas. We have to land in Birmingham. And we're like, Birmingham? So now we're landing in Birmingham. Uh, land in Birmingham. They keep us on the runway. Birmingham only had one gate open because it's in the middle of the night now. And they had like 30-something planes land and have to refuel. So they had to keep moving the planes from the gate. Um just a crazy, you know, not Southwest's fault at all. It's all weather related. Uh, and then we literally, we took off from Birmingham and within five minutes of takeoff, they're like, we're already in uh, position for landing in uh, Atlanta because that's how close those two airports are. And I uh, got into Atlanta late, got to our hotel and really really had a great time at Six Flags Over Georgia. So uh, very, very hot, though. You don't want to go to uh, Georgia in August. That's just, it's a silly time to go. If you're going to go to Georgia, you want to go in the spring because otherwise it's going to be hot. What is the uh, nickname for Atlanta? That'd be a Hotlanta. Hotlanta. It's hot there. The name is very accurate. I must agree. (laughs) And that's one of those things that you have to sort of plan for is that things could potentially go wrong. And that also includes when you're driving. So say for instance, you have just a full week that you want to dedicate to just driving around the country and you want to start by flying somewhere first. Uh, Back in 2007, that trip where I had to deal with cicadas, I did about 1200 miles of driving in about 10 days. And what started actually in Columbus, Ohio, then went down to Kings Island and stood that big giant loop did Holiday World, Six Flags Great America, Cedar Point, the whole lot. And boy, it takes it out of you, but it really helps to have a lot of good friends with you to sort of pass the time. But that doesn't mean that you have to drive, say, if you're in Atlanta and you want to start a trip in New York. You have to drive to New York. You can always just fly, save yourself that time, and you should be pretty good because they're going to get you there regardless. And I also must say, as a uh, Southwest card holder as well, (laughs) very much appreciate uh, their frequent flyer programs. That's another thing that I would definitely recommend. If you're going to start doing a lot of traveling, stick with certain brands, brands that you like or brands that you know will take you there. For instance, I'm pretty much an exclusive Southwest flyer, but if you're in Atlanta, you're probably going to be a Delta flyer. Same with hotels. If you want to eventually start earning those free nights, which are going to come in handy after a while, then stick with a certain brand because they own so many different types. It's not just Marriott owning Marriott. They own, goodness, like 15 other different brands that you could stay at. Even something like a Sleep In, that's through Choice Hotels. There's four or five different brands there that you can choose from. Another great thing, pre-plan your trip, if at all possible. It's going to save you a ton of money. I cannot tell you the amount of money I wasted on my first trip when I just kind of winged 
when I would stop at for the night because they will kill you in terms of your pricing for hotels. But if you prepay ahead of time or just check the website and get that reservation ahead of time, you can save 20, 25, even 50% off the cost of that night. So I would highly recommend doing that type of planning ahead of time. And if you are doing a road trip uh, where you're in a car and you're traveling from park to park, I would always suggest giving yourself enough time to uh, rest, recoup before you hit the park. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to dedicate a whole day to driving, recouping and all that, but it means that you, you shouldn't close down Cedar Point and open, you know, Six Flags America, uh, Great American Chicago. You know, you give yourself time to travel, sleep, rest, because a, a full day at the amusement park is going to wipe you out already. Uh, so to have those extra, you know, it's definitely possible to do like, you know, Kings Island, close Kings Island, drive to Cedar Point, sleep, and then maybe sleep in, not open Cedar Point, or maybe open Cedar Point and then go back and take a nap and then, you know, uh, you know, uh, do the opening and closing, but don't stay the whole day kind of thing uh you know that that i have realized as i've gotten older it's much more difficult to do the coaster marathoning that i'm used to was used to as a uh as a teen and and young adult plus you're not going to be able to really take in everything and enjoy it as much if you're getting tired and exhausted you might end up missing something just from a lack of sleep not to mention the fact that if you're doing a lot of driving uh, lack of sleep is really not the smartest thing to have. Exactly. Unless it's somebody else who's driving who did get a lot of sleep. Uh, one other thing I would say is uh, once you have decided what parts you're going to, you should definitely look into seeing if they have any uh, quick queues, fast passes, things like that that are going to execute your time better at the park. Um, you know, I, I, Six Flags obviously has their programs. Uh, you know, pretty much every amusement park has their, you know, skip the line style programs. And uh, though I wouldn't pay for King's Dominion uh, to have it because I go there all the time, I do pay pay for it when I go to Cedar Point because I'm only there for two days and I want to enjoy every ride in the park. So, uh, you know, I definitely uh, I upgrade my experience when I'm there uh, so I can enjoy that stuff. Uh, some places have great food plans as well, so you can save on food. Um, and then some, you know, I don't think are worth it. But, uh, you know, definitely if I go to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, I get the food plan for the day because it's a great deal. Great food. And don't forget, check out the ACE website, aceonline.org, because there's a lot of cool member benefits that some parks offer, like at the beginning of the day, they'll have that first walk to the biggest ride in the park, or they may offer some sort of small ERT at the beginning or the end of the day just by flashing your ACE membership. In fact, a lot of parks offer discounts on tickets as well. So if you don't want to buy a season pass to a park because you're only going to go for one day, then that ACE discount could save you a substantial amount of money that you could use on another flight, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's not just uh, big parks. Uh, Funland of Fredericksburg, we uh, offer 50% off wristbands to all ACE members. So all you have to do is show your uh, ACE badge and you get a wristband for the day for the park for 50% off. And there that you is, go. That is the biggest discount anybody can get on our wristbands, just so you know. That is actually that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just go to aceonline.org, log into your membership account, and you can see all the different benefits that you have. There's actually even some hotel discounts as well using certain uh, discount codes. So by all means, check those out before you go on the trip. And just so long as you plan it out really well, you're going to end up saving yourself a lot of money, not get fleeced, 
And most importantly, get in as many rides on your new favorite coasters as you possibly can. Yep. The last thing I would say is, uh, you know, communicate and chat with the community about what your plans are. I know when we were going to Niagara, uh, we had already planned out, you know, we only had three days, uh, you know, that's from takeoff to landing. And uh, we really had to plan out every single minute of our trip. And, uh, you know, we had posted what our trip was going to be like. And we got some negative comments, people saying, well, why are you going to Fantasy Island? You should go to Marine World. And boy, am I glad we went to Fantasy Island. <laughs> Rest in peace, Fantasy Island. (laughs) But, you know, so we did get some advice. And, uh, you know, we we had, like I said, very limited time. And Canada's Wonderland was really the the reason why we were going on the trip. So we wanted to make sure we spent as much time there as possible. We still didn't get on all the coasters, which is sad. Um, But uh, it just means that we have to go back, which is good. Because I really enjoyed Canada's Wonderland. But, uh, yeah, uh, there were parks that they were talking about that I didn't even knew existed. Uh, and so when they would say, oh, well, why aren't you going there? And I'm like, well, I didn't even know it was within the realm of going to because I didn't know it was there. So, uh, you know, another great uh, uh, tool is RCDB, RollercoasterDatabase.com. They have a function tool that you can look up uh, roller coasters and stuff by the area that you're going and so oftentimes you can find roller coasters that exist uh, that may only be like one wood coaster at a family owned, you know, fun center, you know, that's on your way to something else. So, uh, you know, worth it to uh, stop and do a quick $8 ride on that and uh, get back on the road. Yeah, definitely a big shout out to Dwayne over at RCDB because he helped us find a coaster credit that we didn't even know existed in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And it's in a pizza place, you know, about 15 minutes from my house. Like, oh, Okay, well, then there's a credit right there. And it's air-conditioned, so it's like, okay, well, that that's definitely a plus, given the <laughs> Dallas heat. All right, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, planning, uh, planning a coaster road trip. Obviously, if you guys have some ideas, some tips, uh, you guys are also probably experts at this, you should definitely shoot us an email. Yeah, just send us an email at podcast at aceonline.org, and make sure if you do it as a recording, we might actually share it later on. importantly what fans like us can do to help support it in this difficult time here's the interview uh just to clarify he said we sat down we didn't because he didn't invite me (laughs) do it again no i didn't i I am very honored to be interviewing the global communications director for iapa miss Susie story Susie, how are you doing today i'm great thank you so much chris Tell folks a little bit about IAPA who may not necessarily know what exactly is it. They hear the acronym a lot. They might see it in terms of like a trade show, but IAPA is much more than just a trade show, right? IAPA is a lot of things. Um, so IAPA is the global association for the attractions industry. Um, I think when you said a lot of people know us by the an acronym, um, when they say IAPA, they say we're going to go to IAPA. And that typically refers to one of our three global expos that we put on. So that's what a lot of people know us for, because that's where we bring thousands of people together. We celebrate all the great things of the industry. We see what's new. We see what you can buy, what you can eat, what you can do. So that's what a lot of people know IAPA for. Um, But we also do so much more for our members. We are really all about serving the attractions industry making sure that our industry is safe, working with all the members, all of the manufacturers, working with 
governments around the world on safety standards, um, ensuring communication and training, providing resources to our members. You know, the attractions industry is broad, it is wide, and it is very diverse. So the attractions industry is everything from the local FEC that maybe you go to for pizza and a few video games on a Friday night, all the way up to some of the large, you know, theme parks and destination parks that we all visit, like the Disney's, Universal's, and Six Flags, and everything in between. Um, and our attractions industry continues to grow, too. I mean, now we have rides on cruise ships, and you have water parks and hotels, and, you know, actually have municipalities that have some pretty big um, water parks, too. So the attractions industry is any place or any way that people are entertained these days, and, and we're proud to be a part of that. So what initially drew you to this position? Oh, my. <laughs> uh, I have worked in the attractions industry for my entire career. And, and truth be told, if you go back to when I was a kid, I used to tell people my goal in life was to grow up to live with Mickey Mouse. So I didn't really know what that meant, and I don't really think I had a plan for that. But um, funny enough, when I was in high school, I made some friends who – were a couple years older than me, and they had had the opportunity to do the Walt Disney World College program. And so I remember as a sophomore in high school going home to my mom and saying, well, when I go to college, I get to go work at Disney. And she's like, I don't really know how that comes together. I'm like, no, no, that's what happens. You go to college and you go work at Disney. And so I got to do that. So I'm originally from upstate New York, Rochester, New York. And um, when I was a sophomore in college, took part in the Walt Disney World College program. And Loved every second of it. Uh, got exposed to, I worked for Disney MGM Studios at the time, which now is Disney Hollywood Studios, but loved working there, got to do a lot. And then that really helped inform what I wanted to study at school and what I wanted to do. I didn't really think that I would think of a job in the attractions industry, but you know, early on I learned that connections are everything and get to know people and, and uh, let them know who you are. and. While I was on the college program, I used to volunteer for an organization called Give Kids the World, which many people in the industry are very familiar with. It's a unique resort down in Florida that is where children who are on a Make-A-Wish vacation get to stay. So I started volunteering there. And then flash forward a couple years, and I had a degree, and I was like, well, Disney's going to hire me because I graduated. And, you know, everybody thinks that at some point, I think. And and Disney really liked me, of course, but they weren't going to make me an executive just because I had a newly minted diploma. And I reached out to the PR person at Give Kids the World and said, I'm interested in moving back to Florida. Can you give me some advice? And the person on the other end said, oh, he moved on. He doesn't work here anymore. We're looking to replace him. And I was like, well, I could do that, right? <laughs> And I sent in my resume and then literally four days later, everything I owned was put into my tiny little car and I drove down to Florida. And that got me into the industry because Give Kids the World is so ingrained. And from there, I've just been lucky. I've worked for many parks and attractions throughout my career. And to me, IAPA is just the perfect way to bring everything I've done, all the people I've met and all the things I've learned together. For folks who are hearing Give Kids the World and they say, well, that sounds kind of familiar. That's the official charity that ACE does with Coasting for Kids. So yes. all those, that work that you're doing for that goes right there into the Give Kids the World Village. And goodness, you talk about just a wonderful opportunity to donate your time and your money to, but you cannot find a, pretty much a better one in terms of making an impact on someone's life. 
Yeah, I, I've been so honored to, I've been involved with Give Kids the World since, since 1993. So my entire career, if you go back to those early Disney days and been able to work there professionally. Um, I've actually worked there twice. I, I did work there fresh out of college and then came back several years after that and was able to work there for about five years. And I, you know, as a volunteer, as a person who supports, I, they have an incredible mission and it's a perfect way to see what the attractions industry is about. It's a, you know, to bring smiles and to make memories and give kids a world does all of that. And they do that for children with critical illnesses. And I, I just can't think of a better thing. No, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about your role at IAPA and what role public relations plays not only in IAPA, but in the entire industry? Because I think there might be a little bit of a misnomer that when you work in public relations, you get to just throw parties, hang out with people, and have tons of fun, which you can, but there's a whole other side to the industry too, isn't there? Absolutely. And, and I've worked in communications and public relations for my entire career, and, and I love it. And, and yes, there is an element of putting together an event. I think what a lot of people don't understand is all the work that goes into putting that event together. So if you are marking the debut of a new ride, like a lot of parks have done and, and experiences I've had over my career, or now in my role with IAPA, you know, the, the big party, if you will, that I'm a part of are these three global expos that we do every year. And my piece is such a small piece, the communications function that we do on behalf of the industry and the, the expos is so small compared to everything we have going on. The global expo is IAPA Expo. It's held every November in Orlando, and that's definitely our largest one. My role is very unique in that I work with more than 300 members of the media that come and attend the show. And so what that involves with leading up to it is working with them, vetting them to say, yes, you're an influencer or a magazine or a, a, you know, an independent writer, pitching them, saying, hey, I've got this really cool show that you must come and cover, working with all of our exhibitors to say, what is it you guys are debuting? Like, what, what would be of interest to the media in working on all those stories? And then for you know, the week of Expo, it's go, go, go. It's early morning live shots where the TV station comes out at four in the morning and it could go all the way till 11, 12 at night, depending on what the activity is with the event or if there's more media or if we're hosting and one of our special events or a meeting or something. So it's a, you're always on and, and it's exciting and, and to do public relations for the attractions industry. I, I just love it. I, I feel honored I get to do it. If you had a chance to visit any of the expos recently and you saw that there was a sort of special event or a small press gathering going on, Susie was always there. I don't think I saw you stop moving that entire week in Orlando. It was incredible. I don't think I do. I think when, I, when people always say, like, what's the best advice during expo? I'm always like, comfortable shoes. Yes. <laughs> because you do so much running around. But it's, it's great. And it's, it's a special time to bring the industry together, and also from my standpoint, from a PR and communication standpoint, is to help tell the stories of the industry so guests and families and kids and people around the world can start making plans to go visit their parks and, and come up with you know, new places they might want to see that they've never gone before. So it's really very fun and, and a lot of work, but very rewarding. Speaking of telling the story of the industry, there is only one story right now that's going on, and that would be COVID-19. The amusement industry has been hammered by this, more so than a lot of other industries. What is IAPA doing to help out the industry? 
So IAPA's role is um, to serve the attractions industry. And, and that is our role 365 days a year during good times, during slow times, during great times, and during not so great times. This global pandemic has certainly rocked our entire industry. It's, it's rocked all of us. You know, I'm, I'm doing this interview from my son's bedroom. You're doing this interview from your home. I, I heard something last night. I think we've been working at home now for 40 days. So things have come to a grinding halt. Parks are starting to open for the spring. They're looking at their weekend operation. Kids are getting hired for their first job. So this should be a time that's very exciting. And, and instead, we know there's a lot of trepidation. There's a lot of worry. and There's a lot of concern. And our role at IAPA is to help relieve that in any way that we can. So we have an entire department that is actually based out of Virginia, and they are focused on communicating with the government here in, in the country, both the federal government as well as the state's governments. And they're advocating on behalf of our industry every day. You know, during great times, we still have that team, and they're always advocating on behalf of safety in the industry and and all the things that we, that we work so hard for. And now they're working to say, here are guidelines and listen to us and, and don't make decisions without understanding what our industry is. And then helping us get the information for like the Paytech Protection Program for our small business loans. You know, so many of our industry members are not really huge companies. And, you know, they might employ 20, 30 people or they're family owned and operated business. So our role is to help connect them to help them understand where their resources, to help them work through those resources, to come together, to share, to, to work together, and, and also to really start thinking on that plan on what will things look like when our parks reopen again. Because we want the parks to reopen again, we will reopen again, and then our IAPA's role is to help support and, and, and let everybody know that yes, when these parks reopen and these places reopen, they're the same safe and fun and well-run places that you used to go to before all this began. So we're fans of the industry, obviously you and I, but of course, everybody who's listening to this podcast as well, I get the sense that there's an overwhelming feeling of not being able to help out right now, being fans. We can't go to the parks to spend money. We can't really do anything. It, it feels very helpless. So from an IAPA perspective, what can fans like us do to help the industry right now? That is such a great question because at IAPA, you know, my day-to-day -day job is I, I talk more with what we call business to business and less about business to consumer. Whereas if I was in a park, you and all your listeners would be my primary audience that I talk to all the time. But there are ways that you can continue to support your favorite park. You know, I think if we talk about the easy and fun way, it's something that goes on in my house every day is go to your favorite park social media channels. There are so many ways to engage, show that engagement, show that support. So many parks are doing Facebook lives and they're doing just unique games, unique entertainment, unique educational opportunities. My son tunes into the Gatorland School of Crocs every day. Um, the Cincinnati Zoo does just this home safari program that is so fun. He loves watching all the POV videos and does his own little virtual rides. So Support your favorite parks, go look at those, engage, click like, click love, do all that, share them, you know, show your fans, show your friends, show your family that the industry has not gone dark, we're not going anywhere, we haven't closed forever. We also know now is a time where people are worried about the economy, they're worried about their personal situation, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have 
lost their jobs or maybe they've been furloughed or something. And so spending money is not top of mind right now. But if you have some extra dollars, you know, look to see is your favorite place offering a discount or a deal on tickets. You know, Odyssey Aquarium in Arizona right now, they have a small program that they're doing where it's, I think the ticket is buy two, get two free. And they know you'll be going in the future, but it's helping have them have money now so they can continue to, to pay their employees. I recently purchased a gift certificate for one of my favorite restaurants. And part of that gift certificate is going to go to the servers at that restaurant. So now that restaurant has the money now, but I know when everything opens again, I have my gift card and I'm going to go and have that great dinner. So if you are in the position that you can, you know, purchase a ticket or, or start making a plan, go ahead and do that. The, the parks will be there. They're going to come back. We just don't know exactly when. I'm not saying run out and spend all your money because we, we don't want to do that. But, you know, think about where do you want to be and who do you want to support and, and do that. You know, vote with your dollars, something you hear a lot. But like I said, show those likes, engage on social media. You know, we are here with you. We are part of your community. One of the things that I think a lot of people are concerned about is when you flip the switch, is there going to be consumer confidence to go back to these favorite places? Absolutely. And, you know, I can't tell you what all those changes are going to be right now. And we have daily calls with operators around the world on what does social distancing look like? How does that affect throughput? How does that affect a queue line? How does that affect everything? But know that when your favorite park reopens, your safety still remains number one and they want you back. And we all want to go ride these rides and we all want to go have a good time. So when the time is right, we hope that you'll come and visit. And I think that's a great way to say that as well, that when the time is right, it's not if, it's when. It is a matter of just time to when things will go back to being, you know, a bit more normal than they are currently. And I love those ideas of going out on social media, making sure the parks know that you're still there, you're there supporting them. and you're still engaging with them, keeping up those algorithms for them so that when the time comes for everything to go back, we're going to be ready and they'll be right back at the same level that they were before. You know, I am not a cook and anybody who knows me knows I, I'm not a cook, but we are having fun trying some of these recipes that, you know, parks are putting out online. Dollywood's got some recipes they've put out. We haven't yet tried to make some of our own things from the Disney pages, but my son's got several things bookmarked. Like, there are still ways that you can engage and have fun and celebrate the attractions industry, even if you're at home. We're not as clever as a lot of some of the videos I've seen online, but we have friends that recently did their own version of a, a quarantine cruise in their house. And what they did was they celebrated favorite memories from going on the Disney cruise line. And it was very cute. And they did a pirate night and they did they made their own Palo restaurant and they shared that on social media. And it was fun. It was a little bit tongue in cheek. But we all have to remember the, the inspiration for it is the passion that we have for the industry. And they did it because they loved sailing with the Disney Cruise Line and they look forward to going back to that again. And I have an eight-year-old and I love asking him every day, when we get to leave the house, where do you want to go? And he wants to go to water park. He is eager to go to water park. He can't wait to go to water park. He wants to just have a lot of fun and and as a parent, you know, I have a little hesitation, but I also know those water parks are not going to open until it's the right time. And they know we're going to come through those gates and we're going to be perfectly safe. And I, I think we all just need to have that belief and, and trust in those parks that have kept us safe all these years. And I think at some point it may become cliche because you hear it so much in this industry, but 
safety is our number one priority. You hear it a lot and it just kind of goes in the back of your head, but it really is the absolute utmost priority in the industry because without safety, there are no parks. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that sometimes that it really is all about giving everyone that great safe experience because if you're not safe, guess what? You're never coming back. Safety is paramount and it's, it's the number one thing in our entire industry. And that's the safety of our guests. It's the safety of our employees. It's the safety of our vendors. You know, it's not a cliche thing for us. It's, it's how we live. It's what our members think about. It's what our members do. It's how they operate and it's what they plan for. And, you know, a lot of times it's easy to think about safety from the standpoint of a ride and the technology behind the ride and the mechanics behind the ride or safety in making sure the food is cooked warm enough and served correctly and that, you know, everyone's wearing gloves. But through this pandemic, there's a new layer of safety that doesn't mean it's ever been ignored in the past. It just hasn't been brought forth in the way that it is now. And so what we're doing now is just adding a new layer to all those safety checks, to all those things that the parks implement to ensure that, again, there's, their guests are safe, their employees are safe, everybody is safe and we'll do the very best we can so you have a safe and memorable great time. Well, let's shift a little bit from sort of the depressing news of the day to a little bit more happier thoughts if we can. But Stuart Smalley, for those who are a little bit older, what is your absolute all-time favorite ride and why? Not necessarily have to be a roller coaster, but just that ride that even if it's not even around anymore that you're like, I just want to go ride that. What's your favorite? I knew you were going to ask me this and I, <laughs> uh, you know, for the last few days I tried to come up with my answer. Um, well, hopefully you didn't think about it that long. My goodness. Well, no, I really, I really, I was like, what is that number one? Cause I'm so bad at just one thing. Well, I'll tell you my very first roller coaster is at Seabreeze and it's the Jackrabbit. Great ride. So this being the hundredth anniversary of the Jackrabbit, I'll be very honest that all year I've been hoping to take my son up to Rochester so he could finally ride the Jackrabbit. So I think when you say, what's that ride I'm itching to go on, I feel a nostalgia um, as a person, as an individual to go on it. And I feel as a parent, now my son is eight, that's how old I was when I rode it for the first time, that I want to take him on it. So the Jackrabbit is, is big in my mind right now. But I also, I love carousels. And if, if you know me, I love carousels. I, I would love to have my own carousel horse in my house one day. And when I got to visit Efteling in the Netherlands for the first time, and they had this stunningly beautiful steam-powered carousel that has its own carousel palace building. And that, to me, is the epitome of the past and the today and the future of what the attractions industry is, that beautiful carousel. I, I have stunning pictures of it. I think of it all the time. I love the fact that it's made out of wood and it's over a hundred years old and it has incredible music. So those are two standouts for me. But then I also must say that as a former Six Flags employee, the Raging Bull at Six Flags Great America still remains an absolute favorite of mine. I got to go on it last year when I went up to the park for an event and it is just as much fun as I remember it. And I could probably still be riding that now. Been up there a few times myself. Love that ride. Absolutely love that park. Coming from the Bay Area, it was like going back in time. So there were the two Great America parks back in the day. Mm -hmm. So our park ripped out some things. Their park ripped out some things. But there are some things that were not. So it was all of a sudden, hey, look, there's the Wizard. 
hey, look, there's Southwest Territory. Here's all the stuff we were supposed to get, but never ended up for one reason or another. So gosh, love heading out to that park. And it's just in a great location too. So who do you look up to or have you looked up to in the amusement industry and why? Wow. I have been so lucky to work, to have worked for and work with so many really great people in the attractions industry. My first boss at Walt Disney World, when I worked, I got to work in community relations as an intern, actually. And his name was John Land. And I learned so much from John. He was a servant leader. You know, he was about making sure that the people who worked for him felt valued and understood and learned. As an intern, he didn't say, oh, you're the intern, just go copy this. He gave me every opportunity I could to learn from, experience, watch. Sometimes I just got to attend things and just watch. He also helped get me in front of key executives and and people to meet and see how they worked. And and to this day, all these years later, I just think about so many experiences I had with John Land, not just because it was Disney, but because it was him and because he knew a lot about the industry and he, he wanted, he knew I had a passion and he wanted to help that grow. So he's, he's definitely one of those people. I've been very lucky that I get to meet so many of our folks who've been around for the a long, long time, but having worked in PR, I love working with folks like Gary Slade and Tim O'Brien and, you know, those who are in the more media PR side of things because they're the storytellers. And by working with them so early in my career, you know, Tim O'Brien, bless his heart, would say, you know, I think you could have written this press release a little differently. And so he actually <laughs> had a lot of advice along the way, which, you know, I, I think about now and, and I use now. So when I do have to write something or if I'm working with an executive, you know, a lot of those key learnings, they, they're, they still come to mind. And, and I get very excited when I can remember someone saying, hey, here's what I would do, or here's a suggestion. I try to implement all that. So it's hard to just pick, you know, one person. I've just been very lucky. I've got to meet really tremendous people along the way. Those are a lot of great names to, to mention for sure. So do you have any hobbies outside of work? Well, I'm a mom, so there's no time for being for hobbies, right? I'm, I'm a mom. <laughs> and we, you know what we do? We love theme parks. Uh, my son and I, you know, we live in Orlando, so we are definitely in the theme park Mecca. So we can be found. It's not cliche and it's not a plug. We are definitely found at parks on weekends and, and friends of mine that follow me on social media will often tease and be like, wow, where are you guys now? I'm like, well, you know, we, we like, we like to do things. My son and I love animals. And so you'll see us at a lot of places like a sea world or a sea life or an aquarium or a zoo. We just love to learn about animals and support animals. We're finding hobbies now that we're in quarantine and I'm, I'm finding I might have a green thumb. So if we were to talk in like 30 days, we'll see if those plants that we're spending so much time with have made it or not. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it is an interesting, it's interesting because my professional life and my personal life are very entwined and I actually like it that way. It really brings a lot to my friends. Many of my friends have come from the attractions industry. My son is growing up in the attractions industry I love to professionally talk about the attractions industry. So it's, it's kind of hard to separate one from the other. And if you really love what you do, you never work a day in your life, a firm believer in that. And with this industry, boy, that can be really easy to do if you really love talking or in this case, telling those stories 
there is no better place to be than in that PR position. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Susie, I cannot thank you enough for sitting down and talking with all of us today. Thank you so much again for joining us. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm so honored I got to do this with you today. I loved working with the members of the ACE community for many, many years. And I have to give a special shout out to my friend Elizabeth Ringus for suggesting I get to do this. She and I have known each other since I worked at King's Dominion and she was my local ACE rep. And together we opened the Italian Job Stunt Coaster. And I've been so lucky that she and her family have become dear friends of ours for many, many years. So shout out to Elizabeth and thank you to everybody with ACE. And I look forward to seeing you guys hopefully at many of the parks. Yes, definitely a shout out to Elizabeth. And again, Susie, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And that is Susie Story, uh, IAPA Director of Communications. Don't forget, bonus content. That's right. We've got it. Bonus content. All you have to do, Chris, what do you got to do for bonus content? Just hop on to aceonline.org, log into your membership account, and then look for that ACE bonus content section, and you can hear all those extra exclusive content just for ACE members. And uh, it's not just Susie's story, but we've got uh, other stuff from past episodes as well, so you can go check out all of that bonus content. Well, uh, that, uh, that does it for the May podcast. I'm excited because it looks like the parks are going to be able to start opening up soon. We're going to take it cautious and slow, but we lose a couple of weeks to gain the rest of the year and many more years after that. So I'm looking forward to it. Every day we get closer and closer. So uh, that's that's what makes me excited and that's what makes me happy. Uh, thank you very much to our, our entire ACE podcast team. Uh, it's not just me and Chris who uh, come on and make this possible. Uh, we have a big team of people in the background uh, that help us with producing this podcast. And make sure and remember that this podcast is for you, the members of ACE. So let us know what you think. Give us a like, send us a comment, or give us a rating on your favorite streaming service. All right. Well, until next time, my name is Clint Novak. And I'm Chris Broberry. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you out there soon. Bye, guys. Ride With Us is volunteer produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts. ACE is a registered 501c3 charitable organization founded for the preservation and enjoyment of roller coasters around the world. Visit aceonline.org for more information.